Hello and welcome back to episode number six of the Almost Founders podcast, the practical podcast for young learners interested in the world of entrepreneurship. Today we're discussing about sharing a vision and motivating your first co-founders and hires. Helping us will be Jack Lomas, one of the first founding members of Sensat, a tech startup that raised more than $15 million in funding. This is a recording of a live event followed by a 40 minutes Q&A, so if you'd like to ask questions directly to our next guest, you can sign up and become a member of our community through our website at almostfounders.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to another Almost Founders podcast. With us today is Jack Lomas, entrepreneur in residence at Texit Ventures and founding shareholder at Sensat. It's great to have you here, Jack. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Hey everyone, thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you all today. So I guess in terms of a bit of a background, so I guess I would sort of consider myself very much a tech entrepreneur. However, one that has very much sort of taught myself as I go. So I joined IBM straight from school at the age of 18, rather than going down the sort of more traditional youth route of going to university, et cetera. Through IBM, I then sort of originally moved into a software development role and realized that I was really, really bad at it. So I then pivoted towards much more of a sort of consultancy approach where I then worked with large blue chip clients, large uh, governments, it got to a few years into IBM where I then co-founded Sensat along with two friends from a kitchen in Angel, London. We built the company up, which was really exciting. It's an AI tech startup focused on digitizing the physical world, ultimately then helping computers then interact with the physical world, which is really an advance that we felt didn't yet exist, but was really important. And then we they were then able to grow the company through several rounds of venture capital funding. I think we raised total about sort of 15 million pounds or so and grew the team from three co-founders up to about sort of 40 or so at the point where I then moved into an advisory shareholder route, which then allowed me to set up Mott McDonald Digital Ventures. Mott McDonald, they're one of the largest engineering companies in the world, civil engineering consultancy based in um, more or less like every every country in the world. And Mark McDonald, what was interesting is that the construction sector actually has the lowest productivity out of all of the sectors. Actually, there's one below it, and that's hunting and fishing in terms of dig- digitization. So huge opportunity to actually digitize the sector. Mark McDonald's brilliant. I then, actually, I then left earlier this year, um, at the start of this year, just before the sort of the crazy lockdown that is uh, the crazy time that is COVID and to take on a role as entrepreneur in residence at Tech City Ventures. So Tech City Ventures, just to sort of give you the give you the one liner, focuses on building and scaling technology ecosystems. The core focus here is really to try and sort of generate some, some meaningful impact for the world we live in. That's a pretty good segue to our topic today. We are speaking about partnering up, but on a smaller scale finding your first co-founder or maybe even first employees. And to get the ball rolling, I don't really want to ask you why young entrepreneurs, myself included, are often reluctant to bring on new people. The answer to that question is often, it's my idea, so I make the decisions, or it's my billions when my company becomes the next Facebook, Tesla, Amazon, etc. Jack, could you please tell me why we are wrong and why we need a team? Yeah, of course. So just to touch on the sort of like the, the equity, the ownership side, which I know that a lot of people 
um, get a get a quite sort of sensitive to. But ultimately, a, a smaller piece of a bigger pie is better than a bigger piece of a smaller pie. So you've got so you need the focus is on growing the company. So it's very much bringing people on board to help you grow the idea. This was some feet. This was some advice that we got pretty early on. It was as a founder you're supposed to your job is really to hire people that can do things better than you well i think the cake example makes it pretty clear but let's get to the next question we now know that we need the people we want to get to the real reason why everyone is here today the how we're not speaking about co-founders or first employees specifically it's about anyone who will come on board to work just as hard as yourself and will probably make decisions for the company and now let's say that i am in a pre-funding pre-revenue stage not because i'm failing but just because i'm not there yet how do i bring on people when i have no money for their salaries and it's a really tough question in that there is really no answer you have to be working on the challenge because of the right reasons and that is because you recognize a problem within say society or within a sector that you are obsessed about and to you it's this this challenge and this problem is glaringly obvious and you are the person to address that and the reason i sort of mention that is you've got to bring people together who share that similar idea and that same thesis around the, the same problem and i think the first sort of part of your journey you really do just have to be sort of investing your own time and your own sort of resources into developing that so when you say validated i believe you mean not necessarily validated as to the extent that a product needs to be validated before you raise funding but just the problem that you're tackling exists and the solution makes sense enough sense for you to be able to go out there and introduce this to another person who might be motivated by the problem and the solution so before you ever try to sell anything to anyone, you have to sell your idea to possible co-founders and possible employees, because if it motivates you, there's a good chance that it can motivate them as well if they have the same belief that this problem needs to be solved. And for a little bit of theory on that, we're speaking about expectancy theory by Victor Vroom of the Yale School of Management. People will put more effort slash work into something when they have a clear understanding of what rewards they can expect if they perform well. Therefore, these rewards motivate them. This is where it gets a bit tricky though. For some, the main motivator might be money and for some it might just be the feeling of contributing to a bigger cause. So what steps do you take to find out how to motivate someone? And again it's a it's a very tricky question it, it definitely is a case of um almost trying to sort of headhunt the right person um and it's that that is one which is i think quite widely widely used um so for example there are a couple of sort of startup like incubation programs where it is where they do try and sort of identify people in the marketplace who would be relevant whether it they're sort of later on in their journey and they and the question is hey i'm working on this problem is super relevant to your experience do you would you be interested in actually sort of coming back ground zero and working on this problem with me and 
I think if you identify the right people, then it's a very attractive offer. It's a very attractive question. Founders and founders vary a lot. You often get folks who are like the the idea person or the sort of execution person, and quite often it, those are all the same person. But then others, they're not. So for myself, I realized quite early on that I'm not. I, I don't not comfortable with the I sort of being the ideas person. It's just not my not my skill set, and I'm very happy to admit that. However, what I do come down to is the execution. And so therefore, say, going to someone later on in their journey and saying, hey, I've got this idea. It's super relevant to your journey. Would you be interested in helping me execute on my idea? And that's a request that I think is very, very attractive to put to someone and also can really help um, ensure that you're bringing the right person on board just as long as they do have the right culture for it. So yeah, of course, it, it can't be that easy to find someone who is immediately going to be motivated by you, especially because we're so immensely complex and motivated by different things. But to help me out a bit in my quest, how do I understand who these people are and how do I understand whether they would be motivated by my vision or my hypothesis as much as I am without spending too much time with them? Um, yeah, it's a good question. So I think it's, I mean, I think ultimately you, you've just got to be quite cautious, but also quite thorough with the, with, I guess, the sort of assessment, as it were. It's almost like, say, um, uh, it's almost like sort of going dating. You're going, you're getting to know the person and you're understanding whether you can sync with them and whether you have the shared values and beliefs. Um, but also then as part of that, whether they are do hold the necessary skills and expertise or experience to the degree that you require and i think there's although it's sort of startup uh, maybe it's a it's a business that doesn't quite yet exist you still just have to find a way to then be able to assess it whether it's say putting out throwing out there some some sort of challenge statements and saying oh i'm um uh, building a fintech product uh, to tackle X, really having problem with this sort of one regu regulatory aspect. Experience, they have experience in regulatory side of things, and hopefully they should be able to give the answer. They should be like, okay, I know this person, this person can help, this is the process you need to go through. So you've just sort of be, got to be open with the challenges that you're having to then see whether when you throw it out there, whether they bite and they come back with some sort of meaningful uh, and valuable insights. Okay, I know that I need to headhunt and I know exactly what to look for within those people to find out if they're actually motivated by what I do. But can you actually tell me where I can start looking for these people? I think there's, there's for me, and without wanting to sort of simplify the challenge around meeting new people, I think the answer is LinkedIn. There's a huge amount of value in being able to identify and sort of cut up audiences to identify people who are in companies that are relevant to your challenge or your, your vision and then find out who the right people are. And then what it then comes down to is just ultimately just putting in the work, reaching out to people, connecting with them, um, connecting with them with the right type of message. And this, I'm 
framing this with LinkedIn, but it applies to anything really. Not going in with the first, not going in first with a massive paragraph explaining everything, but it's just something catchy, something that really grabs their attention, that tries to catch their attention and bring them in. So you can then have, say, a 15-minute phone call and then talk them through it, engage their interest. You run it like a pipeline. So a sales pipeline. So identifying people at the top. So say reach out to 50 people that might be relevant. You found on LinkedIn cold. Out of those 50 people, maybe 25 will respond. Out of those 25 people, maybe 15 people will then say, yeah, sure, I'll do a 15-minute call. And then out of those 15 people, maybe sort of three people say, yeah, you know what, I get this. Let's do it. Let's do a two-hour workshop over Zoom and let's work it through together. So really just trying to, it's, it's a numbers game a lot of the time, but a numbers game with the right amount, of, with the right type of quality um, leads, as it were, coming into the top of the funnel there. Well, a numbers game takes a lot of time, and I don't think time is something that many young entrepreneurs in the early stages have a lot of. So what is one mistake that you did, or what is one tip that you could give us to save time? Hiring for roles that we just don't need early on in. Sometimes we sort of thought that we needed some sort of capability in the team, whereas actually we needed a different type of capability. So I think maybe one of the sort of key learnings was something that we should have done earlier on in was go to mark was hire someone with some solid construction sector expertise we understood the technical the technical side to it and sort of almost the science beneath it as i mentioned james was studied it and he knew that very well but then what we then didn't know was the the industry know-how so there's a huge for construction which is what we were selling into there's a huge amount of nuances and uh, politics and just ways that deals are sold and processes are run. So there was a lot that we had to just learn on the job and find out and sort of stumble through. So I think one of the mistakes that we made early on in was not thinking clearly enough about what roles we did not need and others that we did really need early on in. And be careful not to give people a title to senior early on in. So um, it's very easy to fall into the trap of your first marketing person making them CMO, chief marketing officer. So easy to fall into that trap. However, what that does is, first of all, you might have someone who is not CMO material, or they might be great at marketing execution, but not at strategic execution, sort of strategy creation, et cetera. They may be better as like a marketing lead instead or just marketing, marketing manager, whatever else. But also not only that, it then makes it much more difficult to then hire in above them, which you will need to do without a doubt. So it then sort of creates a challenge that, okay, well, am I going to demote my head, my chief marketing officer who's been CMO for the last year 
that's horrible conversations have and there's no good ways to there's no good outcomes to that conversation so this is a question that can actually be used on almost founders as well we're growing quite fast and we're wondering ourselves should we take on new members when we're genuinely running out of time ourselves and the work just becomes too much or should we hire people in anticipation of future growth so i know that one month from now on i won't be able to do my tasks anymore if we continue growing like that so i already hire it, it depends on where along your journey you are and whether you've got whether you're in the fortunate position of having resources i.e revenue or funding to be able to allow you to to, to pay for it um i think on a purely practical note hiring takes a huge amount of time and effort and it's really for some hires it could literally take months to go through that process find the right pool of candidates and sort of work that through so trying to you do have to be able to sort of think ahead slightly because if you wait to the point where you really need it and things and you're dropping balls things fall in between cracks because you just are at capacity operating at capacity then that's probably too late because you'll then have say a one month or two month or so process to find the right type of person to come on board so I think ultimately you do have to sort of think ahead and you've got to identify where the gaps in the team are. These could be existing gaps that have existed since the start, or they could be new gaps. For example, the new gaps that have developed through a slight pivot or through a specific client opportunity that you're going for that you don't have the right skills in the team to be able to deliver to. Um, and then, just get started early as possible. There's often there's sort of two ways, two different styles to hiring. It's almost sort of finding someone for this one specific job that you have. Alternatively, and what is also pretty beneficial to have is just trying to sort of develop ongoing relationships with folks who are interested in the product, interested in the business, and might be interested in future opportunities of getting involved. Just trying to sort of build up the, your network around, but also then the buzz around the business. One of the best ways of recruiting, and the cheapest ways, is marketing. So building up a brand around your business that then has this almost this eminence on, say, social channels, which then attracts people to you so that actually you don't have to really sort of go through this massive search process searching process looking for candidates because they're coming to you and they're applying saying please please give me a job i want to join so that's a really good way but also but also obviously it's it's quite easy to say that and it's difficult to achieve but sort of building up a buzz around your business is, is pretty a pretty good one to go this was the sixth episode of the almost founders podcast thank you to jack lomas for participating and thank you to our sponsors at adventures Next week, we will be proudly collaborating with the Peking University HSBC Business School. We will be interviewing Dr. Bali Zhao, Managing Director and Founder of OC Technologies, the industry-leading manufacturers of commercial displays and digital signage solutions. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next episode.